to title my message, um, Death and Resurrection. Um, and before I start, I want to read a quote or scripture um, that Jesus um, spoke. It's a, it's, it's a scripture in, in, in Revelations. And um, I think what, to give it some effect, I think, I think I want you all to close your eyes. Everyone here, close your eyes. This is Jesus speaking in Revelations 1 verses 17 to 18. And he says this to you. Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. I'm going to read that again. Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Guys, this, this is such a powerful scripture. Jesus is telling us here that we're not to be fearful because he is the first and the last, the living one. He tells us that he died and that he rose from death again and that he lives forevermore. And not only that, he tells us that he has overcome death and Hades. This is incredible. This is an incredible fact. Folks, I believe that, that this is the very foundation of our faith. It's what our faith as Christians is built on. The fact that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to be crucified for our sins and then resurrected on the third day. What Jesus has done for us on that old rugged cross, by laying his life down as a living sacrifice, was to reconcile us back to our Father. The cross created a bridge that we can come right into the presence of our Creator again. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. Matthew 27 verses 51 says that when Jesus gave up his spirit, at that very moment, the veil or the curtain was torn into two. Jesus' death and resurrection has now given us direct access to the Father. I mean, that's so powerful. So, guys, we don't need to go and give sacrifices. We don't need to depend on, on a human high priest to speak on our behalf. We have direct access to God our Father. Jesus has restored relationship with the Father again. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The great I am, the first and the last. It's incredible. If you just think of that, the creator of heaven and earth, once relationship with you. And he sent his only begotten son to shed, to shed blood for you. So his blood is crying out for you to have relationship with him. It's incredible. It's an incredible thought that. We just tarry on that for a while. Folks, if, if, if there are some of you sitting here and you have not yet given your life to Christ, I would urge you 
I plead with you, don't, don't leave this place. Don't leave this place without making right with God. Because tomorrow might not come. And I do say this in various preachers. <laughs> but I want to say it again today. It's so important that we are in right relationship with the Father. And Jesus was sent, shed his blood for you to be reconciled with him. The Father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creating God. I mean, it's incredible. In 2 Corinthians 6 verses 2, it says that today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not when you feel like it, when you feel like you're sort of in that space, that's right now to do it. Today is the day of salvation. He wants, he wants you, if you've, if you've turned from him, he wants you back today. Amen? So, so accept Christ today. Salvation is a free gift. You cannot earn it, man, and you cannot work for it. It comes free. He's freely given his life for you and for I, or for me. So I want to, obviously, the crucifixion is a massive story. But what I've done is um, I want to just go through a couple of points. What, I mean, what crucifixion actually is, just to give us a little bit of a, a clearer understanding. We know that crucifixion was a Roman form of punishment. Crucifixion was a method of capital punishment in which the victim is tied or nailed to a large beam and left to hang until eventually the person dies from exhaustion or suffocation. The crucified victim was physically forced to move up and down a distance of about 12 12 inches, just in order to breathe. The process of, of respiration causing excruciating pain, mixed with the absolute terror of suffocation. Are you getting that picture, guys? The nails were hit into his arm, into his um, hands, both sides of the cross. His feet were put and arched and chucked, and then they hammered another nail through that. What happens is gravity takes your body down and it forms um, almost, it, it creates this form of suffocation. And then in order for them to grasp for breath, they would push themselves up with their legs just to grasp breath. It was incredibly horrific. What they did to our Savior. Sorry. I cried through the whole preparation of this. <laughs> so bear with me. So, yeah, we can see that this death was incredibly horrific. Jesus, however, um, actually, let me, let me tell you another one. In Roman times, um, when you were hanging on the cross and it come to the end of the day, what these guys would do, and the Jews would put pressure on the Romans to do this, is because they needed to clear the, the crucifixion field, the, the, the skull. The, the, there was a um, Golgotha, they, they call it the, the skull hill. 
um, and that's where they, they crucified everyone. They wanted to clear that up. And what they would do is, in order to speed up the process of death, these guys, these, these Roman soldiers would go to the guys that were crucified and they would break their legs. Did you guys know that? They would break their legs. And that would speed up the process. So they would be hanging on the cross and they would literally die of suffocation. I mean, it was horrific. Horrific. Jesus, however, died before the soldiers could break his legs, which confirms biblical prophecy. You can read this in Psalms 34, verses 20, and in John 19, 31 to 34, where it speaks about that they found no broken bone in Jesus' body. So let's, let's recreate the scene. And I know there are four Gospels in, in, in the New Testament that, that document Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Um, but I'm going to look at uh, Matthew 27. Some of the account is slightly, slightly different, but the, the main crux of the message is that he died on the cross and that he rose from the death um, on the third day. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize it in my language, but I'm taking this out of Matthew 27. Okay. So we can see that Jesus was led to Pontius Pilate. He was the governor at that time who, who, who trials him, and he also gives the order to crucify him. Then an entire company of soldiers come around him. They strip him. And they put a scarlet robe on him. I just want you to imagine this. It's just. The soldiers then push a twisted crown of thorns on his head as Pilate gives the order to be flogged. The soldiers take a staff and put it in the right hand of Jesus. They kneel before him. They start mocking him and calling him, Ah, you king of the Jews! They take the staff back from him. They start spitting on him and hitting him with the staff over his head, over and over and over. This is it's just, I don't even, I don't, uh, it was so horrific what they did to Jesus. Then they take the scarlet robe off him just leaving his undergarments on. And they led him up with his cross to the place that they would crucify him, Golgotha. It's the Skull Hill. Um, it's amazing. I've actually lived in Israel for, for some time. And in Jerusalem, you can actually see that hill. And Vrachisvar, that hill, the, it's got an appearance of a skull. It's crazy. So they lead Jesus all the way up the hill to Golgotha, all the while mocking him, beating him. You know, and when they reached the top, he was finished. He was exhausted. The soldiers then lay his body on this cross, this wooden cross. After, after laying him on the cross, they, they took six to nine inches of, of nails and they hammered it into his hands. Then they arched his feet, like I said before. They arched his feet together and hammered another nail through the feet into the wooden cross. 
the soldiers then lifted up the cross with Jesus on it and dropped it into a hole for the, made for the cross. Jesus crying out in pain as the cross falls into position. The crowd still mocking him, shouting insults at him. If you are the son of God, come down from that cross. He saves others, but he can't save himself, they shouted. These insults piercing the very heart of Jesus. Because the very reason he was on that cross was for their sin, for my sin. People didn't get it when he was on that cross. But Jesus now on the cross, the crowd still mocking him. Jesus nailed to that cross, the crowd still looking at him. Jesus looking at his mother Mary and Mary Magdalene and another disciple who he loved standing close by. And he said to her, woman, here is your son. And then to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later that, um, later knowing that everything was finished, and so that scripture could be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. He lifted, um, they lifted up a dipped sponge of wine vinegar on a hyssop stalk, and put it to his lips. And Jesus had a drink and said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Then at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into two. The veil of the temple was torn into two. Top to bottom. Now listen to this. This is the resurrection power. The earth shook. And the rocks split, and the tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised back to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy place and appeared to many people. I mean, hang on, let's just rewind this. Did you hear what I hear? Did you hear that, that, that tombs broke open, that rocks split open? There was an earthquake, and many holy people that had died a year or two years or a couple of months before had come out of their, their graves because of resurrection power. It's incredible. It's incredible, and it's documented. It's amazing. When the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, and they saw this earthquake and all that had happened, they were so terrified. They said, surely, that this is the Son of God. And from then, the scene co and carries on, and it, and, and it ends up with where, where Mary and um, Mary Magdalene, on the third day, go down to the grave. You know the scene. They find the grave empty. And, um, and they have this encounter um, with, with an angel. Simon Peter, the, the scene continues. Sorry, I'm just going to go through it very quickly. Simon Peter and, and another disciple end up running down to the tomb after Mary had said, you know, he's risen. 
they run down to the tomb because they want to go and witness for their own eyes. They get to the tomb. They see the tomb is empty. And um, all they see, they're looking around in the tomb. All they see is burial clothes lying on the ground. And Peter's looking and he sees the head burial scarf on the stone where Jesus was lying or where he laid. But this head scarf was folded. So you need to understand, in Jewish culture, when the servant was serving his master at a feast, the servant would not, he would know not to bother or interrupt the master while he was eating. But only when the master had finished with his feast, he would either pick up his napkin or, 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 or um, serviette and crumble it up and put it on the table. If the servant saw that had happened while his master had left the, the, the table, the servant then knew he could start tidying up the table. But if the servant had come into the, the feast while the, while the master was not there and saw that the napkin was folded and put on the table next to his plate, then he knew that his master was coming back. Isn't that incredible? That is such an incredible symbolic act in a tomb of Jesus indicating that he had come back from dead. And that's pretty much, that's pretty much my message for today. Because um, you know the story. In various other um, Gospels, you'll find that the, that the account was taken and, and, and documented slightly differently. But the crux, the, the, the crux of the message was still the same, that Jesus died a horrible death shed blood for you and I, and he rose on the third day so that we may have eternal life. So where do we go from here, guys? Where do we go from here? Well, I guess you need to search your heart and ask God in the season that you're in. You know, you need to ask God. You need to spend time with God. Are there areas in my life that needs to be resurrected? Because this is not just a memory of what Jesus has done um, on the cross. This is when there needs to be a personal application here. Because he's speaking to us so loudly. So for those who feel that they, they need prayer, maybe you've been wandering off the beaten track. <laughs> maybe you're doing your own thing and you've lost touch with, with God. I want to give opportunity after the service to come and see me, and I'll lead you into a simple prayer. And we'll get your focus back onto the presence of God, onto Jesus. Amen?